we have lost the ability to have nuanced conversation and to really actually have curiosity about each other that maybe we actually can't tell who someone is by just how they look or where they live, that I actually don't know about your life experience and where you've been and how you've spent your time and what you really care about. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Jema. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Today's interview is with Kimberly Ann Johnson, who is a dear friend, colleague, and inspiration of mine. To give you a little backstory on Kimberly, she is a sexological body worker, somatic experiencing trauma resolution practitioner, a birth doula, and a single mom. She specializes in helping women prepare for birth, recover from birth injuries and birth trauma, and heal from sexual trauma. She is the author of the best-selling book, The Fourth Trimester, A Postpartum Guide to Healing Your Body, Balancing Your Emotions, and Restoring Your Vitality, which is an incredible book. I recommend it to every new mom-to-be. It's a great shower present. It's great to buy for other people and your family, your partner, any caregivers, just to help them understand what you will be going through and the postpartum shift and how to kind of support you and the whole family within the transition. It's a really beautiful book. And for all you new moms that need it, it's now offered on Audible, which is incredible. So you can lie in bed in your 40 days with your headphones on and nap and listen with your baby and um, really use it as a daily meditation and self-care for yourself through your journey. She's also the creator of Activate Your Inner Jaguar, an online course which ushers women into their full voices and sexual expression. So Kimberly does a lot. She has been a friend, I think for maybe probably six, six and a half years now. We met through Friends in the Birth World in Los Angeles and she lives in San Diego and she would come up here regularly through her work and workshops. A term that was loosely used with her was vagina practor. She does go inside internal and work on the vagina post-birth. And um, I went to her after the birth of Jemima, but it was four and a half years after birth. And which is really interesting because I met her probably a year and a half after I gave birth to Jemima, maybe two years But it took me a couple of years to get in with her. There was just resistance, even though I was really processing the birth and my trauma and my journey, um, I was having resistance. And finally, I felt it was the right time. I scheduled an appointment with her when she came up to Los Angeles. And it was revolutionary. It healed me on such a profound level that I cannot put fully into words. But within about three seconds of the work, I started 
feeling like there was a fire burning through my body and I just started bawling, just bawling tears and tears. And it was such a huge physical release because no matter how much we do talk therapy or in our heads or meditate through it or journal about things, trauma and however we experience trauma is stuck in our body and it needs to be moved through the body. And that's where her magic really comes in. And no matter all the other modalities of healing I had been doing and practicing, it needed to be worked out through my vaginal scar tissue. And that's what she facilitated. I'm just so, so grateful. And at the time, I only wanted one child. I was a one and dunner. And looking back, I'm just so grateful that I got the work with her because I know that it cleared so much energy for me to then get pregnant so easily, you know, quote unquote, on accident with Goldie Wolf. And um, my womb was healed and it was cleared. And, you know, I just, I had such an easy pregnancy and birth with Goldie Wolf. So I'm, I know a lot of that has to do with um, the healing I had with Kimberly. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did just sitting with her and talking. She is doing so many different things. Um, that we obviously couldn't cover all of them. I hope to have her back on soon. Um, we really didn't even delve into all of her sexual work which and sexuality work, which I feel like is so, so important. She has online classes about this. She has an amazing podcast. I actually did my first ever podcast interview with her years ago. She has 60 interviews now up and episodes. And... You can hear obviously a lot more about her story through the podcast and through her book. And if you are going through postpartum or you're pregnant, I really recommend you reading the book. There's so much intertwined with our own sexuality, our own self-worth, our own process of birth and postpartum healing and being a woman. And it's just, it's so much. So uh, I encourage you to go listen to all of that. And this podcast, we really focused more on kind of moving on into motherhood and business and her life as a single mother and how she does that. So I hope that she will be an inspiration for women out there that are doing it alone or feel like they are. Anyway, I'm just so grateful that she was able to come. She has a very busy schedule now. She just sold her second book deal and is all over teaching, doing workshops and her own private work and writing. So I'm just really grateful that she was able to come over to my home and have this interview and enjoy. Lots of love. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, McLean. Uh, so happy to have you here. Thank, Thank you, you for coming, making the time and effort to come. You are actually the person that got me into podcasts. Ooh. Yeah. You were my exciting. first interview that I did. Oh, amazing. And I remember getting off that call and I was like, that was the most fun I've had in ages. And... Mm. It really felt, because I think we just get in our life and we're living our life and we don't really think, oh, I actually have a lot to share. Or maybe that's just me. You know, you just mm. get in your life. And then when I got off, I was like, I actually said some things that might have been helpful <laughs> to a couple of people. And um, that just really sparked my fire. And so thank you. You're, yeah. you're pretty much like my expander inspiration for doing it. So awesome. I, I'm very grateful. And that was your podcast, Magamamas. That was, I believe, four days before I gave birth to Goldie Wolf. So I was in that open, no filter zone. Yeah. And it was so funny because you texted me. I think I was driving 
to Jemima to school that morning and you texted me and you're like, do you want to do this podcast, you know, in two hours or something? I was like, sure. I don't know. It'll come out of my mouth. I'm in the zone, but it was really fun. Mm, yeah. I like doing things in thresholds. I like, like I had one on someone's 50th birthday week. Mm, I, uh, I like it when people are in the middle of it. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. there's pros and cons. Cause speaking from the raw wound versus the dressed wound right. has its own, uh, <laughs> flavor to it. So it's, this isn't a universal principle, but I think there's something special to, for instance, talking to someone in the immediate postpartum is really mm-hmm. different than talking to them three months later or six months later. Totally. And sometimes, especially in the spiritual world, there's so much encapsulation of like the lesson that mm-hmm. someone wants to hear that they got from it, but that might not actually be what I would get from it if I heard and felt what it was at that time. Totally. And with I feel that way with birth and with sex. It's like we don't have a lot of experience of being physically present in that energy. And so then when we go through it, it becomes so much more jarring or startling to Mm -hmm. us because we haven't actually sat with a new mom for a day in our life. And then we become a new mom for a day of our life uh, or many days. And it's strange if we haven't, if we don't know what the feeling tone of that time is. Uh, I really wish I'd recorded myself right after birth. That'd be so mm. interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could, I wouldn't have been able to talk during labor, but I love that. Like when you're really in it, what is life like? Yeah. What is your inner world? What are you, what are you thinking about? What are you remembering? Yeah. Cause it does all change this. You know, every story changes every time you tell it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel that way about my both births. Every time I change, uh, you know, every time I speak it or share it, I get new insight and I'm sure things are lost that I said last time and find new things. So interesting. So tell me a little bit about how you're working these days. How you're showing up for your life, your clients. Mm. Well, I've been on sabbatical from one-on-one clients for about nine months. And why'd you do that? I wrote a book, started a school, saw about, 800 people in about two years, two and a half years. And then um, (laughs) we taught our first training for the school. It was really intense. And I recognized I was, I'd made a lot of deals with myself, like, okay, you're sprinting, but just get to this place. And then I would get to that place and it would be like, all right, just a little bit longer, sprint a little bit farther. And then I just kind of recognized like I was doing the work of four people and I didn't want to keep sprinting and Mm -hmm. it's not really what I teach about. So I just decided to downshift and there was a number of different reasons that I chose it, but also because the work I do. So I do internal pelvic floor work and I help people heal from birth injuries and sexual boundary violations and a lot of sexual education. And I also have, I'm a mom. And so when I'm doing that work and I'm in my office there, it's extremely enlivening and amazing and I love doing it. And I would get home at the end of the day and I would be exhausted. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really have the kind of energy that I wanted to bring home to my daughter because even basically what I was showing her was like, my work's more important and you get like the leftovers of me. Like I could, you know, I could barely keep my eyes open. Sometimes I just felt like a little bit disoriented. So it just was time. That was an incubation time and it was really educational and informative and uh, I 
assume that sometime in the future, every once in a while, I've done a couple birth rehearsals in the last few months. I've done a couple postpartum visits, but mm-hmm. mostly just if I have the energy, it's a Saturday. I happen to be in town kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But after I did that work for a period of time, my wait list in every city built, I was, you know, I had practices in Vancouver, Chicago, New York, LA, and San Diego. They all were over a hundred people. Wow. And then I started to feel overwhelmed, but also just my background is in social policy and activism and really recognizing that we're in a a health crisis. Mm -hmm. And so at some point it was like a challenge to build a practice, but that didn't last very long because the need is so great for this kind of care. And I recognize, okay, I can't, there's only one of me. Even if I move to New York for a month, I won't be able to knock out a wait list. So right. what am I going to do? Because I do right. those people, there's just going to be more people and more people. And so I just had to find ways that I could help more people and at the same time, preserve my own energy a little bit. But it, it, the zeitgeist happened when Me Too happened. Mm. And then I recorded a video and it went viral. And then people started messaging me privately, like, okay, but what do I do? And how do I deal with this? And I kind of agree with you. I kind of disagree with you, but what am I, how, then what should I do kind of thing? And so I had not been teaching nervous system material. I'd only been using it one-on-one. I hadn't been doing it in groups and I was nervous to do it because it's a little risky to start getting into trauma when you're not in the same room with someone and you can't actually physically regulate them or, but I just thought, you know what? it's time. Like it's not, it's not good enough for me that all of this is specialized information that you have to go to like special school to do. Mm-hmm. Cause for me, it's information, both the sexual health and nervous system awareness, which just means like boundaries and a real world understanding of how yeses and nos arise in your body, how, you know, what you want to move towards and move away from how, you know, to choose those things and to trust that you could actually communicate those in full language facial expressions, body movements. So I took a risk and I said, okay, I'm going to try it. And I did. And then it just, from there, it's, it was the, it is the place where birth and sex intersect. So I found that if people have these tools, they're the foundational ones. So now I won't even see someone privately unless they do the course courses Mm -hmm. first, because I end up just having the same conversations with people and it's Mm -hmm. like, this is foundational knowledge and it's to no fault of anyone that we don't all have it, Right. but we can practice it and we can practice it in community together, even if it's online. So So my work looks like writing. So I wrote one book the fourth trimester. Just so good. Everyone must own it. (laughs) Audible for the new mamas. You can lie in bed and listen to it. Yes. And then I just finished a card deck that goes with the book. And then I'm now making a journal that goes with Mm. the book. All of those are with Shambhala. Mm. And then I'm writing a book now about um, a real world understanding of the nervous system called Activate Your Inner Jaguar. So I have a tight book deadline. So my (laughs) life is going to look like taking care of myself, taking care of my family, which is my daughter. And I have a Brazilian woman who lives with us. And keeping up my courses because that's really my steady income, Mm -hmm. um, teaching and then writing a book. Which you just announced. You got a book deal. I did. So exciting. I did. Massive and huge. It's a huge publishing company. So major congrats. 
Yes. I mean, that's, that's a huge life accomplishment. It is. It's, you know, we, some accomplishments we have, we really like put our eye on the prize and like Mm -hmm. climb that mountain to get to Everest type of thing. And then something sort of just sweep on in. This one was, I guess, a bit of both. It's definitely what I wanted the first time around. I was just so grateful that anyone would publish my book Mm -hmm. because I thought maybe I'm crazy. Maybe this isn't a good idea. Um, Who am I? You know, and then my editing experience was just so, so I felt really like I was on my own writing in a tunnel. Mm -hmm. And now I have an incredible agent who I thought was just representing the project. But then when I would hear her talk about me or like she would accidentally do a reply all and I would see what she had written. (laughs) She was writing somebody about my laugh and how she thinks like the genuineness of my laugh has to do with what my message is and something that I never didn't even know that she had Mm. even thought about. So I have this person who's like an advocate. Then I have a Colleen who's my editor who write, who will write the book with Mm. me, who wrote my proposal with me. And then now I have a whole staff of people who believe in it and are so excited. And actually, you know, a lot of times when you get into, it's the same thing, you know, we're here in LA, it's people are like, oh, it's good, but it's not commercial enough. Right. And so every creator worries that it's going to be dumbed down or that it's going to be like had to make marketable and it's going to lose its power type Mm -hmm. of thing. And I have like a super smart editor in-house who they're going to make the book smarter. They're going to like evoke even better stuff out of me. And that was kind of my dream the first Mm -hmm. time around was like an editor that really asked me good questions and I became a better writer. Mm -hmm. And the book's done really well. It's helped a lot of people. And, but that first one, I didn't really feel like I became a better writer in the process. So it's really exciting to me to know, like, you know, my like inner nerd is just having a total field day. Like, oh my God, I'm going to write, I get to write like a book I would want to read. Yeah. A book that I would be interested in. I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. And is that exploring more into beyond the postpartum, like motherhood or womanhood or this whole movement we're in, the matriarchy hopefully rising up a little bit? Mm. I know you don't like the polarity, but I want the matriarchy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want matriarchy. I want something totally new, personally. A a blend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I want everyone to be respected in their power. And of course, we have to have pendulation where- Yeah. It happens over time, but, uh, yeah, the book is, it will have some, some examples, but it would be more from a parenting perspective Mm -hmm. and then from a sexual and intimate and relational perspective. And then just really it's about, so the thesis of the whole book is that we are all animals. That's not really a thesis. We just already know Mm -hmm. that somebody else figured that out. (laughs) I didn't figure that out. Uh, (laughs) We're all mammals. And in the natural world, there's predators and there's prey, which is how it works. Mm -hmm. And most animals are either, they're predators for something and they're prey for something else. Mm -hmm. So unless you're an alpha predator, like a gray whale or something, you have something that eats you and you eat something else. Mm -hmm. And this is just part of being alive. But what we've done in our culture is moralize that. And so we've decided that predators are bad Mm -hmm. and prey is good. And we've decided that predators are usually men. And so men are bad and prey are usually women. So women are good. Mm. And so then we exist within this spectrum. And then we also have developed a culture of the, like the race to the victim position. Everyone's got to be the bigger victim. And 
I don't think anyone's happier for it, I guess I will say. So I think there's a lot of us who really, and, and I know it sounds like all this stuff, but I mean, you can hear I'm like stuttering as I'm talking because all of this stuff has become so difficult to talk about because it is so polarized. So the minute you say one thing, you're just like, oh, that's just white privilege. You say mm-hmm. another thing, oh, that's just this. And we have lost the ability to have nuanced conversation yeah. and to really actually have curiosity about each other that maybe we actually can't tell who someone is by just how they look or where they mm-hmm. live. That I actually don't know about your life experience and where you've been and how you've spent your time and what you really care about. So the book is about how we can all create more safety for each other in every way. So in interpersonal dynamics, but also in our culture so that all voices can be heard. I love that. And I'm really excited because most of this work is is done in the interpersonal realm, both inside ourselves, but with others. But I, I think that's that's why I went with this publishing house, because I really think that we're going to be able to go into the deeper things around power dynamics that a lot of people are shying away from, because there's a lot of unpopular mm-hmm. opinions be, because of so few people want to speak up, because then again, you just get polarized. And people right. have called, because when I've said things like this before, people say you're a victim blamer. Mm-hmm. And hashtag believe survivors. And when I say, well, that's not good enough for me, like mm-hmm. I actually don't believe all survivors. Mm-hmm that's hugely triggering for a lot of people. And I, and I get why, Mm -hmm. and just working within this field and working with so many things across the spectrum of what can be considered abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, we're really confused. And also when we have an internal state of unrest and activation, that is what our nervous system will polarize to. So that's why some people do always end up in the rabbit position because they're always putting out rabbit nervous system yeah. and wolves come around. And and that's what's familiar to them too. So they're attracting that. I mean, before we start recording, we're talking about Al-Anon. Like so much of that stuff is just, you know, rehabituation of what you grew up with. And you, you're like, I'm never going to marry that guy like my dad. And like you marry that in some other way, you know, it's so interesting. Yeah. Our systems recognize things Yeah, and they go towards what they recognize, which is either good news or bad news because the reason our system does that is so that we can resolve it and we can cycle up to the next level of really wholeness Mm. basically because our nervous system, all of our system is really trying to work as efficiently as possible. And there's a lot of energy that gets tied up in those patterns that we don't, we're not even, we don't even know. So we have chronic fatigue or we have fibromyalgia or, you know, we can't, we say we have low libido, but a lot of that energy is just tied up into an inability to articulate essentially our sympathetic nervous system. So that's what makes this, this book different because, um, you know, this book is building on the work of Peter Levine, waking the tiger mm-hmm. of, um, Bessel van der Kolk, your body keeps the score. But what it's doing, number one is I'm a woman transmitting the information. So a lot of the trauma work is with old white men. They've done a great job. Mm -hmm. And now we're in a a time, you know, it's 30 years, 40 years later since these original viewpoints and discoveries were made that wild animals don't experience trauma, but humans and domestic Mm -hmm. animals do. So it's a new, relatively new field, but sexuality hasn't really been brought into it. Why? Because it's being delivered by men 
and men who've often been in positions of perpetration or they're afraid of being identified as perpetrators. So just avoid the topic altogether. Mm. So I really feel that we're at a cultural moment that people are ready to hear it. And I think we know, we, we know we all need each other. We know it, but we're just in this sort of fumbly clumsy space where I don't know if I should give you my number or you should give me your number. And I don't know if I should pay for this or you should pay Mm -hmm. for this. And you know, it, it goes into every area of life. When I was sitting in the editorial rooms, one of the people on one of the boards said her husband doesn't get in an elevator if there's only one woman in the elevator anymore. He'll just wait for another elevator because he doesn't even want to be in that situation. And it's like, my dad won't change my niece's diaper anymore. Mm -hmm. So these problems that in my opinion, in part are due to a lack of touch and a lack Mm -hmm. of physical contact are just reproducing the problem by creating less touch and less physical contact and less approximation. Mm -hmm. So the book is sort of a call to action of like, let's come together. Let's, you know, people are having less sex than they've ever had statistically, Mm -hmm. which some people could say is good news because women aren't having obligatory sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, and I don't know if it's good news or bad news. All I know is that's what's happening and it's happening in parallel with screens Mm -hmm. and it's happening in parallel with this real inability to tolerate anyone whose opinion is different than ours. You know, that's one thing I love about you is like, it's obvious you put lots of viewpoints out there. I do too. I don't have to agree with someone to have them on my podcast. Mm -hmm. That'd be the worst podcast ever. Yeah, I'm just going to have a bunch of people on it who agree with me all the time. I mean, what's the point? Then you just don't learn. It's not as exciting. I mean, I just, I mean, that's one thing I love. I'm so glad you're doing this because- It's just that lack of conversation. You know, we're all in these little vacuums. And I think it's so important. I feel like, well, first of all, you're very brave for putting all that out there. I mean, all of your posts, I just so look up to, honestly. Like you really, you're such a strong voice and you're grounded in your knowledge. And I know that it's coming from a very heartfelt space and and an educated space too. And I think all of these things are so layered. You can't, you can't just say one comment and everyone can surmise your life or your experience. You know, and I think that's, you know, what you're saying is we, we are so polarized and we just have to have the conversations because there is no just one answer. No. I mean, everyone, like everything that's going on in politics, everything in our marriages and our sex, like, like everything is just so layered with all of it. The men are just as wounded as we are a lot of the time. Oh yeah. And, and most of the time, I guess what I, one thing that I've learned in the past year, super basic, but like I became friends in this last year with Dan Doty, who is the founder of Everyman. Mm. And we had a couple of talks together and he said, I said like, what's the one thing that comes up over and over in men's circles? And he's like, that men really care. Mm. And it's like, I think that most people do really care. Mm -hmm. Five to 10% are probably like pathological and mm-hmm. like n- abusive and whatever of everyone, mm-hmm. not just men, but like just people. Yeah. But then the rest of us are living in gray area mm-hmm. and we're all in a, we're in a huge period of redefinition where everything is up for grabs. I mean, one of my single friends told me yesterday, she's 38. She said she wished someone would have sat her down when she was 25. And I had no idea what she was going to say. I was like, well, I'm pulling up a chair for this because what are you <laughs> going to tell your 25 year old? She said she wished someone would have said that here, you can have everything you want. You can have the house, you can have the child, you can have all these things. 
And then the man might come or might not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting. Cause I don't know what I would tell my 25 year old self, but that's what she would tell herself. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a new time. Yeah, It's a new time and we need new language. And that's what the book is about. It's about giving people a new language. So just like Marie Kondo is mm-hmm. like, everyone's like Kondo this, Kondo that. Is like the Jaguar language is a language that we can all use together. And if we learn it, we can be sure that we're going to have more consensual interactions that aren't just like brainy robotic that are actually like life enhancing and that both people want or all the people want or however the dynamic is. So I think that it's so exciting. Yes. So time. And speaking, you know, just for me personally, with all of this change, you know, if I was single and 25 going through this whole Me Too movement and change, it's very different than married to my husband of my two children, you know, and like all that still is being stirred up within me. And then how do I bring that to my relationship mm. and how is he being affected too, you know, in his own way? Like, it's just, it's a really rich, interesting time. Mm-hmm. And so thank God you're bringing us some <laughs> guidance. <laughs> we yeah, need the I'm not married, so I don't. I don't know that experience, but I do know that I have had a lot of clients saying I'm mad at patriarchy and I'm taking Mm -hmm. it out on my husband. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, sometimes you feel like a bit of my husband, like, what'd you just read? (laughs) It's like so snappy. I'm like, of course you said that. That's so typical, you know? And (laughs) it's been such a journey, you know? And like, it's funny because he'll come in and he works mostly with males, but he'll come in. And he is trying to change that. I mean, he is very pro-woman and like, you know, he's in a house full of women that he created, you know, but it's funny, like my mom's here and like our nanny and then the two girls and me, it's just like, he's, it's just an interesting time and we're right. all learning from each other. Well, the other thing though, is that we've gotten to a point where even men, a lot of the times are ashamed of being men, mm-hmm. just like white people are yeah. ashamed of being white. And it doesn't mean like there's nothing wrong with being white right? and there's nothing wrong with having a point of view as a white person. Yeah. In fact, we need to have them. Yeah. And yet that doesn't mean that we also can't acknowledge our privilege. Exactly. They're, they coexist. Yeah. But what's happening is it's like, Oh, you're white. You're bad. You don't deserve sit down, shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just are like in a free state that could be allies that mm-hmm. could be, and men too. Like my friend was kind of giving me dating advice and he's just like, look, it's even different dating now than it was two years ago. Make more moves. Mm-hmm. Men are going to make less moves right now. He's like, if I was out in the dating world, I'd be sitting on my hands in a corner waiting for someone to walk over. Like it's just, there's too much room for misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. There's too much room for yeah, just misunderstandings. Yeah. So people just aren't even moving towards each other as much. Mm. So it's good intel though to have. Yeah. And it's, it's good to keep in the back of mm-hmm. my head. Oh, that, because there would be some situations where I'm like, I think this guy likes me and he keeps acting all these things, but like, why isn't he making a move? You know? And my friend would be like, yeah, cause he's super respectful and he like respects the feminine and he doesn't want to be seen as yeah. a gross guy. Yeah. And in the bedroom, it affects men because they don't want to be viewed as a perpetrator. So they don't want to be aggressive. Sometimes they don't want to take a power role, which is why that movie 50 Shades of Grey or whatever, or the book is such a sensation because it was Mm repolarizing those roles. And 
Because a lot of women were like, why won't you just fuck me? Like, just slam me up against the wall. Like, like I was, you know, thought men did. Because it get, does get really confusing through all of these different labels and changes. Mm-hmm. That sounds very confusing to date right now. I think I'd be alone forever if I wasn't married. <laughs> I was already the worst dater. And now, like, that's like some next level stuff. But I'm, it's good though, too. It's getting equalized, I guess. Well, if... If you like sex, you don't have to date, but you right. got to meet someone. So unless right. you were going to be celibate for your life, which right. could have been your choice, but it's definitely not mine. So there's yeah. only so long. Solo sex is fantastic. And it's really different than being Damn. with someone. And mm-hmm. also that's another thing is like the goddess culture, the matriarchy thing is all like, what about whatever? I don't need a man. I'll just mm-hmm. do it all alone. I'll be a single mom and I'll get all my girls around me. That's fine. Mm. And I really like men and I mm-hmm. like masculine energy and I yeah. need it. Yeah. There is something that men do for me that I can't do for myself and mm-hmm. that I my girlfriends can't do for me either. Yeah. In just their beingness. I'm not talking even about sex. It's just what it does for me to be close to masculine energy. So when I was single, I am single, but you know, when I was like not dating at all, I'd be like, okay, go to Jiffy Lube, go to this place. But it's like Actually, that's why I started the Wim Hof stuff is mm. that was one of the intentions because like the Wim Hof trip that I did to Iceland, it was 18 men and six women. Wow. I'm a yoga teacher. Yeah. Do you know the last time that <laughs> happened for me? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever been in a space like that in my entire life. Maybe yeah. a co-ed soccer team when I was in first grade or something. Wow. So mm. I was like, men have really come a long way to try to that's understand really women cool and try to understand what women's work is, and especially the men around mm-hmm. us that are around the birth yeah. 24-7, pussy talk is like yeah. just normal. What what have I done to try to understand men and what their world is like? Mm-hmm. I've only judged it. Mm-hmm. I've only decided it's locker room talk or it's this or that, but I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I haven't, I haven't really had the experience of that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's time to, it's time to try that. So tell us how you kind of segued on going on this trip. For those that don't know the Iceman, the whole, you know, practice of submerging yourself Last in ice year, cold water. Uh, at the yoga studio that I sometimes give talks at, Gather Encinitas, I, there's a person who I knew, no, Reese Hughes giving, he's an Iceman instructor, Wim Hof instructor. So mm-hmm. we do breath work together with ice immersion. So we go in water that's somewhere around between 30 degrees and 36 mm-hmm. degrees to work with the nervous system, to build. It's like really powerful in immune Mm -hmm. stuff. But really why I did it was because I was just attracted to it. I didn't really know why. And I was surprised because the first time I went to a class where someone taught breath work, I was like, oh, is this breath work with a capital B? Like it's not pranayama, right? That's been done for fucking (laughs) thousands of years that I've studied every day of my life. It's not Mm -hmm. that. No, it's breath work. Ooh. Um, And the teacher just laughed, Mm -hmm. which was a good response because I was like, okay, I guess I'll try it. The fact is I was actually really nervous because I was nervous to hyperventilate and Mm -hmm. to do something that was so aggressive with my nervous system because I'm a sensitive person. So- I did that. And then it was like, there was just something in me that wanted to do the ice thing. And I didn't understand it, but I was like, okay, I'll just go try it. And I did it. And I went in the ice. I got out. I wanted to get back in. And then from then on, it was just like, we have Sunday, we call ice church. I just go to ice church every Sunday. And it became my thing. 
And it became my thing in a way that is like, I can't wait to do it every week. I love our community. It's super simple. Mm -hmm. We get there. We are in a garage. We breathe together. We line up. We get in the ice tank. We drink mate together and we do a gratitude circle. Mm -hmm. But it's so not pretentious. It's Mm -hmm. super spiritual, but there's not like any like ritual. We don't talk any certain way. Mm -hmm. We just like act normal. And then do a practice together. We don't have to wear anything special. Totally. So it's just just good medicine and it's mostly men. So it just, that was really what stuck out to me. Wow. To be in a space, the first workshop I think had 26 people and maybe three women, but really healthy, alive men who have jobs. That's not always true in the yoga community. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> heard that yes <laughs> so I was like men who work and also like to breathe that's a great combination <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I'm dying that's so funny so yeah then this trip came around you know Wim does trips in Poland mm. up Shnetska this mountain and a bunch of the people that were in my group in San Diego where I live were going to Iceland and I heard about it. And then all of a sudden I was just like, I, I gotta go. I want to go. And by the way, if you're thinking I hate cold weather, so do I, like I stopped skiing in high school because I was like, I was like, why did we do this? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting on? And then I was just like, I'll just sit at home and read books and go in the jacuzzi. That's what I'd rather do. And uh, so I don't like cold weather either. But in spite of myself, I found myself out in, you know, a bikini and shorts hiking in Iceland in February. Wow. And it was to hike up the mountain. Well, there were no mountains in Iceland. Okay. Hills. Uh, We actually, we did hike a bit, but not that much. We did more uh, of the water training because there's a lot of hot springs Mm -hmm. and natural ice. And then we went to the ocean because the ocean gets Mm -hmm. below zero because of the salt. So if you're into ice, you're always looking for the coldest wow. ice. And um, there's a lot of super gung-ho enthusiasts who've done a lot of other trips. Like last year, they went to the fjords in Norway. Wow. And then the year before, I think they went to Poland. So they go to the coldest places in the middle of winter to do the training. Mm. So yeah, it's a better ratio. It's like the Korean for spa, dating. but you know, on an awesome <laughs> trip. Because you do the cold plunge, the hot, the cold plunge, the hot. I used to do freezing cold showers when I was into my Kundalini practice and I'll still try to do it, but it is something really great when you're doing it on a regular basis and it just wakes you up. I feel vibrant. I look alive. Your skin glows. Like it really does do something. It helps when you do the breathing first too, Mm, because I've gotten in the ice before I've done Mm -hmm. any breath and it's different. The ice is a lot different than cold showers. Cold showers are a great starting point, Mm -hmm. Uh, but especially after doing it, now I'm like the cold shower just feels normal, Whoa. but the ice immersion is another, it's a whole other thing. And how long do you stay in? It depends. You can, the, the benefits apparently happen mostly between three minutes and five minutes, mm-hmm. but some people say 90 seconds is enough because you get one adrenaline circuit mm-hmm. and then depends on what you're working on. Like I've stayed in for over 10 minutes, just because there's a certain kind of mental quality to it. And do you feel like you have overall a lot more energy or vigor or immune, you know, boosted immune system? How is it manifested? I do. Mm-hmm. I haven't been sick as much or if I've about to 
when I'm about to get sick, I don't get sick. The community aspect of it has been amazing for mm-hmm. me. It feels like a true community more than any other one that I've been a part so of. So cool to find that. How long have you been a part of it? I just looked back and my first WIM class was like May 5th or something last year. Oh. So 10 months. And where does he live? He in lives in Poland and oh. in Holland. It's, it seems like a really interesting community all over. Like I'm seeing it pop up more and more. It is. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of, well, he does kind of big events mm-hmm. in different cities, but there's a lot of interest in, if you read, there's a couple of books. There's one called What Doesn't Kill Us by Scott Carney, which I thought was excellent. Mm, okay. That sounds good. He profiles people who've worked with women. You know, there's people who were on lots of meds for like rheumatoid arthritis and now they do the cold immersion and the breathing and they're not on any meds or they're on wow. way less. And there's a lot of people who've had chronic illnesses that are managing it with the ice immersion. That is so cool. I mean, that's really powerful. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's also just taking us back to nature because I'm sure for thousands of years, that's what we did. Just naturally, we jumped in the freezing cold ocean. Or we just lived outside. Or we lived outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's why, I mean, that's sort of my theory because of my red hair and the whole thing. I'm like, okay, so let's face it. I'm basically like a Nordic person. Mm -hmm. And of course my ancestors were, this is how we were living. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have, I mean, the idea is that now our, we're, we don't, our system doesn't have to adapt to anything because we're always in climate regulation. So we've made our systems weaker because mm-hmm. we're always in homeostasis. So that's why people are like, oh, I'm cold all the time. Yeah. Because your body actually never has to work to make it warmer. I also, I never have cold hands and feet anymore. And I did have cold hands and feet my, a my, lot. Uh, yeah. I always have cold hands and feet. So after I've done this training, my hands, I like, can't remember the last time I had oh. cold hands or feet. That's really cool. Do you feel like your digestion has kicked up? That's what they say, right? They say it boosts your metabolism and people say they lose weight and then you build brown fat and the brown fat um, does something else. (laughs) It's funny because I'm so brainy about some things, but Mm -hmm. about this, I just, I'm just going on pure passion and I'm letting myself be a student and Mm -hmm. be a student of the experience rather than being an expert on it. So even when I went to Iceland, I tried to not really talk about, I tried to minimize talking about what I do and like my expertise on Mm -hmm. it and just do it. Because the fact of the matter is I'm not, I don't know anything about ice immersion. I'm just learning. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I've just started doing it and I want to, I want to experience it for myself and feel it for myself before I form a bunch of ideas Mm -hmm. about it. I've written about it a tiny bit and people freak out because they're like, you said you don't believe it. You believe in titration. You don't believe in catharsis. And, you know, that's such a masculine practice and all these things. And it's like, yeah, I just like doing it. Yeah. I'm really into it and I'll do it as long as I'm still really into it. And it's expanded mm-hmm. my world. Like I went to Monterey a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I mean, I'm from Southern California. It's like, we think Northern California, we don't go up in the ocean up there ever. Mm -mm. Like not even Mm -mm. in the summer. I'm not going to go Santa Cruz and go in the ocean. (laughs) Like, what are you nuts? Get a wetsuit. Mm -hmm. And I went up to Monterey and it was so beautiful. And I was just like, I ought to get in the water. Mm. It's like, I don't have my bathing suit. And then I realized like, now I'm just going to have to travel with like a pocket Mm. bathing suit and towel because (laughs) I I went in naked actually, but I was like, okay, this isn't going to last too long. But it just makes me feel like, oh, it's, I- when it's raining, I, I'm still going to go outside and go for a walk or yeah. 
I can go to the beach and swim now. It's 55 degrees in San Diego in the water. That's not even cold. But yeah. before that was like, I thought that was really cold. Now it's like, oh yeah, I'll just go in and go for I a feel swim. that way about the ocean too. I always like skinny dip or just get in there, even if it's cold. I just love the ocean. Me What's too. your sign? Gemini. Hmm. What are your other things? Moon and rising. My rising sign is Scorpio and my moon's in Aries. Hmm. I'm sun and Scorpio. Well, that sounds like an amazing trip. And I loved seeing your photographs because yeah. I really want to go to Iceland with Jemima. I mean, soon. wow. We got rainbows. Mm. We got the Aurora. It was, our guides were amazing. So awesome. I really, really want to go there. I want to go there while she's also still into fairies. And we're both really into horses, so. So let's segue a little into motherhood. What it's been like for you, what you're kind of, in right now with your daughter, Cece, and being a single mom, because I think you have such a strong voice and you're just so open about your journey with her, which I feel like is inspiring for a lot of women and moms, especially single moms, because you're, you're not trying to be everything all the time. And I feel like you're just so vulnerable with your journey. So I find it very inspiring if you feel like shedding light or just sharing kind of where you guys are? Yeah. Well, I just met someone the other day who has a four-year-old and is a single mom. And I was like, girl, it gets better here. You're you're like, you're out of the woods, but like, it just Mm -hmm. keeps getting better because those early years as a single parent are so relentless. Mm -hmm. And I was with some friends who are changing another set of friends and they their son was sick. He's like two and he was having a lot of diarrhea. So they were having to change his diaper a lot Mm. and his butt was getting so sore that he Mm. was resisting because it was just so painful. And as I watched it, I just was like, you know, they had two people. So one of them was holding his upper body. The other one was wrangling his legs and handing something to the other. And I just remember those moments doing that myself Mm. And how just thoroughly exhausting and the kind of bone tired that you just is like indescribable. Mm. And there's never a tap out. There's never a time that you get to say, hey, I'm just going to go sit in the bathroom Mm. for five minutes or I need to go for a walk around the block or I'm losing my shit. Like you've got to handle this. It of course creates an incredible bond because we are so interdependent. And Mm -hmm. if Somebody asked me the other day, who's the closest person in your life? And it took me like a half of a second to say her. And then I felt guilty for saying that. And I felt like, oh, that's not right. Like I shouldn't. And then their next question immediately was not your child. Mm -hmm. Because there's, it's in some ways not ideal, but at the other, on the other hand, it's just, it's just what is. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that's, that's what I bump up against again, again, and again, and again with mothering is like my ideals can't be met most of the time. And I have to just do the best with what I can do. Mm -hmm. So whether that was when she was two, putting her in preschool that like wasn't even remotely close to what my standards of a preschool were just Mm -hmm. because it was next door to my house and was going to be the least amount of transportation time and give me the most amount of time to work and something I could afford to be able to like live with myself for that. Cause I grew up in a family where my parents <clears throat> valued education, where 
it was about like, I could have the ideal thing. Mm -hmm. And then to not be able to do that made me feel like I was failing and like, I'm not doing that good of a job, but I had to just keep saying like, okay, but this is the best that it's the best you can do. Mm -hmm. And I did go through a period of time when she was about three, where I remember telling my therapist, like, maybe I should just give her to my parents. Like maybe, maybe it's just, maybe they can do it better because they have things, you know? And she put it back to me like, okay, but do you, you know, do you really think that? And of course, in the end, I decided not to, but um, yeah, there's, there's who we are. And then there's what we have And parenting takes both of those things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, in some ways I'm still recovering, honestly, from those early years. I think that's another reason, like, why did I stop seeing clients? Well, last year I got an au pair in April. She lives with us. She's Brazilian. So we speak Portuguese at home now. Mm. And that's her, Cece's first language. That's beautiful. And that let me relax. Mm -hmm. Now I have someone else who cooks. I have somebody else who does laundry. I have someone else who picks her up from school. Mm. And all of those things were, each of those was very hard for me to let go of. And Mm -hmm. it still is a little bit. Because I think if I'm at home, sometimes I'll, I won't be like, quote unquote, doing anything because I'm a creative, so I'm not always doing something, but I am still thinking about it or solving a problem. And then Val be like, oh, I'll go pick her up. I think it took me like four months to basically just be like, okay, you can do it every day. Like she would ask me, can I pick her up instead Mm -hmm. of just, this is the routine because I felt like that's my job. If I can do it, I should be doing Mm -hmm. it. And because I'm trying to repair some attachment things with her from earlier on by being there when she leaves and being there Mm -hmm. when she comes home. But she told me she feels much more relaxed since Val's here because she just knows what to expect. Because before Mm -hmm. it was like, I would be late. Or then one day my dad would be picking her up and she never quite knew. And I didn't want to get her a cell phone. So then, you know, there's just, yeah, I was always the person who was getting called from the school office that she was still sitting there. Mm -hmm. I would forget that there was half days of school and then just leave her there. You know, like I was always the one I wasn't able to, I really wasn't able to keep up. I wasn't able to keep up with all of the logistical part of things a lot of the time. Cause there's so much of that. It's yeah. Astounding. I mean, I don't know. Like you have two kids. Like my mom has three kids. I honestly, even now we're, we're doing this, we're doing applications for middle, middle school. And I just like, I just sit there in like complete and utter respect for my parents. Like let alone like take three kids on a vacation mm-hmm. to Hawaii, mm-hmm. but like or skiing. My parents used to carry all of our skis in the parking lot. I'm just like, I don't even know why they did it. I'm like, why did you even want to do that? You know, like, and they were all like crying and cold and snot. And like, we're supposedly supposed to carry our own equipment, but we never did. Right. And then I'm like, how did my mom keep track of like, how did we all have shoes that fit? Yeah, I know. It's because it, it's, it never stops. No, it's, it's just, just ongoing. Yeah. Ongoing forever. But where we are now is totally different because it's, she doesn't need, I don't have to carry her. I don't have to Mm -hmm. physically handle her, which that was part of what was so exhausting. Just, you know, the head butts to the chin and the, you know, elbows. And then, and I'm not really good at householding. I'm not really good at um, cooking or cleaning or, the things that you have to be good at when you parent, like Mm -hmm. it's just part of it. And I didn't really get that. I didn't, no one gave me a memo that said 
just, Hey, just so you know, <laughs> you have to become like a general manager and a producer because I'm a mm-hmm. shitty producer. I'm a terrible project manager. And I didn't know that's what you have to do. Yeah. So then over time, I realized that's why we have other role models in our kids' lives because there's things that I'm great at. I'm great at being emotionally attuned. I'm an mm-hmm. excellent communicator. I, She knows exactly how I feel about her and where her strength comes from. And she gets accurate mirroring all the time, mm-hmm. but she doesn't get routine. She doesn't get a fancy mom. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get a mom who's volunteering. This was actually a big victory for me on these private school applications. They all ask you, what are you going to do for the school as a parent? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm a single mom and a sole breadwinner. I won't be doing anything but sending a healthy child mm-hmm. to school each day. Love that. Yeah. And that's not my image of what a good parent is. Mm-hmm. My image of what a good parent is, is someone who will agree to volunteer. Mm-hmm and do a fundraiser and go to the school to spend time and participate. But I know I can't do that. Yeah. And every time I've tried to, then I feel even worse because then I fail at it. I mm-hmm. sign up for one day a week, every other week, and then I have to travel and then I can't go. And then I just feel worse about myself. Right. So yeah. it's like the truth of the matter is I will pay the tuition Mm-hmm. And I will loan you my incredible child mm-hmm. for this period of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about all that's <laughs> going to be coming from this direction. Yeah. And you have to work a lot to do that. I mean, it's a whole jump. But uh, you just shared so many beautiful things. Um, but, it, uh, you know, it always goes back to me, the village, obviously. You know, that living in community is where we should be more because we our kids learn so much from other people. And oftentimes, like when you do have your own kids, you don't have time to even see your friends that have kids. Like we were talking about before we started recording is I have amazing mom and women friends, but we don't even see each other because of the schedule or we see each other once a month. And it, it's just too much pressure to have everything fall on you or even me and my husband. I mean, it's it's a lot to be everything for a person. Yeah. And, you know, obviously as they grow, they get more and more and they're in school and they get teachers and peers, but, but I think you're such a good mom and, you know, the bond that you guys have is so strong and the things that you share and post and just what a gift though, that she can be so honest in all the different ways that she can be with you and vice versa. Cause then she's going to be able to be that as, as she grows as a teen and teenager and I guess she is a teenager almost. No, she's only 11. She's 11. She's a tween. (laughs) Young woman and woman. I mean, they're giving her so much, which is incredible. I grew up, my parents divorced when I was 12. And so a lot of my upbringing was with just my mom. So I, I know a lot of that. And there's pros and cons to it, obviously. But there is that very close bond, which is beautiful. There's one other thing I was going to just ask about that. See, this is where my postpartum brain comes in. I was up a lot with a baby last night. Does she travel with you when you travel for work? It depends. It depends Mm -hmm. on where I'm going. She goes to regular school, so she's not homeschooled. So I don't just take her out because also I I have been taking her to Brazil every year because her dad lives there and he can't come to the U.S. Mm -hmm. So she has to miss about 10 days of school or I choose for her to miss 10 days of school Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, 
it sounds good, but it's like, in the end, it's kind of boring for her. Yeah. Like, come sit in a room where I'm talking about the same fucking thing every yeah. time. She's like, yeah, mom. Yeah, mom. <laughs> she she loves to tell stories where she'll come downstairs and I'll be like, there's a difference between porn and sex. And like, her friend's over and she's like, just pretend you didn't hear that. That's just my mom recording a podcast. You know, So, she's tolerant and sometimes she'll go with me, but. These days, she just wants to be in her own space. She wants mm-hmm. to be, she has her own room now. We've, we, mm. for nine years, we shared a room and now she has her own room. That's big. She likes to be in her own room. Mm-hmm. She likes to be in her own routine. She's a cancer rising. She's just kind of a homebody. Mm-hmm. So she's not, she, she would like to come to the fun places. Yeah. But last year was the first year we were able to take a vacation that was not work oriented. Like I had enough resources to just go somewhere just for fun, just have a vacation. Mm-hmm. That's what she's up for. Like, yeah, let's go to Hawaii. Let's do something fun. You know, she love that. really want to come anymore. One thing I wanted to touch on before we close, and we, we talked about your online business more and as you kind of have scaled and now writing your second book, but you've shared different videos and spoken about financial abundance or just stepping up, kind of up-leveling into that. And I feel like that's such a huge topic for women, especially. And I was sharing in a meeting this morning, it's like when you're a mom too, it's not, it's not viewed on the same pay grade as often our partners work, you know? And so we, we do so much as mothering. It's not, it's, it's like not counted or there's so many hours behind the scenes, or even when I'm working as postpartum doula now, it's still not necessarily our change out, like an hour I'm getting paid. And then the exact hour that we're paying the nanny, you know, there's so much other time of the grocery shopping and the commute and all of that. And I feel like it's not always really recognized And I don't know. I'm just, I'm learning more about my money story. We all have one and it's really deep, deep work that I'm excavating. And I feel like we all have that, but how did you step into that over the past couple of years? The change. There's so many different steps and stages to it. And there was just a few really big turning points. And one of them was when someone I really, really respect, whose business model I respect, told me they were earning $20,000 a month. Mm. And that was, that seemed like a whole lot for what they, like, I was like, wow, you're doing that. You're making that much money doing that. Wow. Wow. And that just kind of, because I was at a point where I was like, is it okay? What does that mean if you earn $10,000 a month? What does it mean if you earn $20,000 a month? In your mind, in my mind, it was like, also, how much more work am I going to have to do to make, because I was already right. working a ton. It's right. not like I wasn't working. I've been working kind of the same amount the whole time. I probably work a little bit less now, but it just like a tiny bit, like not work both days on the weekend kind of thing. Mm. But I, I was aware if I make more, I'm going to have to spend more. And I wasn't really sure how that ratio would work. Mm-hmm. And I was also afraid of not really knowing what to do and who I would be if I, like, am I going to turn into an asshole? Am right. I going to be like a rude person? Am I going to not be, am I going to not have the same friendships? You know, I really just was kind of like not sure about even what to make a goal. And then I sat on the airplane next to somebody who was managing 1.5 million in their accounts. Mm. And I saw, I saw just the whole the number written out. <laughs> 
And then in a minute, I just was like, why am I not doing that? Like, why I'm smart. I have an education. I like, what's different between that person and me? Why don't I, what's wrong with that? Or why don't I want that? Or so it just kind of clicked. And then I decided, okay, I want to make this number. And then in January, I just started exceeding that number every month. Incredible. And I started to see like the first time I had a $50,000 launch, I just left the money in the PayPal account. And then every day I just went and looked at it and it was like, Mm -hmm. still there. And then look at it again, still there. And I haven't done anything dumb and I haven't gone on like a spending spree Mm -hmm. and I still wearing the same clothes and I'm still acting the same. And then it was just like, okay. And then I would drive down the street and I would be like, people own these houses. Like Mm -hmm. every one of these houses is owned by someone. Why don't I think that I Mm -hmm. could own a house and I don't own one. And I don't know if I want to own one, but it just, it was really, it's really just been a process of coming back into the material world. And then as a solo parent, also knowing, okay, it's not just about me. So I can be flippant about it because I can live on anything. Mm -hmm. I'm a minimal, extreme minimalist. And so I've really, I have to, I have trouble acquiring things. Mm. I like when I moved here from Brazil, I've really, all I had was clothes and CC's toys because I'd lived in a furnished apartment for several years and I had sold a car. Like mm-hmm. I just, I was more comfortable not having. So I had to be like, it's okay to buy a piece of art. Mm-hmm. That's good. Make a home, mm-hmm. acquire something like it doesn't. So yeah, motherhood, I've, I always say it put earth boots on me in every way. And so all of my ideas, even about private school now, like I believe in public education. I was a fourth grade teacher. I believe in democracy through education, but my daughter wants to go to private school. Mm -hmm. And I had to just kind of had to come to Jesus with myself. Like, look, she has been so flexible. She has stretched her. I have stretched her so far and so thin in so many directions. If this is a choice, I went to private school. Like if this is a choice and it's actually possible for us and it's what she wants, Mm -hmm. then let it go. Yeah. Loosen up. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you were a fourth grade teacher. I was one year. That's cool. One year before I went to Brazil. Yeah. So I think it's, it's it's all relative because the numbers, Mm -hmm. it's all relative. And what I tell everyone that I, cause now people, a lot of people come to me for informal business mentoring mm-hmm. and it's like, go for the low, low hanging fruit and do the thing that makes the most money the fastest. Because what happens is once you have that money in the, in the bank, everything looks different. Yeah. You, you're not making the same choices anymore. Totally. The choices are, are shifted yeah. because you can't even imagine what that's like until you actually have it. Mm-hmm. And there's usually, there's usually things that people have already like I one of my friends is a musician he teaches music lessons he's a world-class jazz violin player he plays all over the world and I'm like okay so you're charging whatever a hundred dollars for a lesson and how many lessons are you giving well if you he's a jazz musician he's a crushing improvisationalist Mm. what teach a class on improvisation and Mm -hmm. make everyone take it before they can get privates with you and your private should be he said someone just paid him triple his price just because of the value. I'm like, no, that's just the value. If people are mm. going to come from Germany to Jersey to take a private with you, they've, they want to pay more because right. they, that's why they're coming. They 
want to show you the value. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, so anyway, so I coached him through it. He, um, he did a two week sales cycle. He did it off an Instagram of like 2,500 people and a list of under a thousand. And he got something like 23 people for the first round. Wow! And it was, I mean, I'm like you, there's no reason why this won't be successful. And Mm -hmm. he has people from like Lithuania, Iceland, all over the world. And so it's so inspiring to see the impact. And then Mm -hmm. you have, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm really passionate about it. I know that a lot of people, like I would just wrote down in my journal or whatever, my iPhone notes earlier today, like, can you be anti-capitalist and love money? Because I think it's one of these Mm -hmm. things where we put ourselves in these things, like I'm this person and, or even like, I'm a yogi, I'm a spiritual person. So money doesn't matter to me. I would do the work I do because I would do it for free and all those things. See, and I fall into that story a lot of times, which I'm shifting, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's a big one when we're in this world. Right. Because I don't, I don't want to be motivated. Like that's not why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And to be able to live a life that's full and my kids benefit and I benefit and my husband, you know, everybody. And then you can also give to things. It's not this like tight fist on what you do have, which if we all could get in that flow, it'd be such a better world. Yeah. And it it is power and Mm -hmm. it's okay to want money and to want power because Mm -hmm. that power, we decide what we do with that power. Exactly. And I still do lots of things for free, Mm -hmm. but I just get to choose it and I can do that guilt-free. And for me, really what it came down to was it's in direct competition to how much I have for my child, Mm -hmm. not even just money, just energy. Mm -hmm. Like if I, and, and it was, it was hard lesson because my parents really got on me about it and Cece started getting on because I would run over in session time and then I would be Mm. late to pick her up from school. Mm. And it's like, okay, so I think my client deserves more of my time that they're not even paying for. And I'm Mm. not making a boundary here, ending it and getting to where my real responsibility is on time. Mm -hmm. So. God, that's so much to hold that you've done all these years. Yeah. I mean, it was gnarly. I would see people I would drop her off at school at 8.30 and then I would see a 9, a 10.30, a noon, a 1.30. The 1.30 ends at 3 and her school ends at 3.10. Oh my gosh. They get back. So I learned how to get really good at like energy conservation because mm-hmm. people would be like, well, what do you do to like clear your energy? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> I just don't take it on in the session so I don't have to do some ritual because I don't have time. Yeah. Like I don't have time in between sessions. Like mom's got to work. Yeah. So those got to like turn that motherfucker out. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm glad I did it. And I'm, I'm proud of where I am because I did it, mm-hmm. you know, I did it and I did it with her support. Like she's such a huge teammate and, mm-hmm. you know, champion. Yeah. And she's, she's more happy than anyone about my book deal. You know, she's just, and she, her priorities are totally right. Cause I'm sure she heard the number floating around, but she was just like, mom, you're with Harper. You have a book deal with Harper. That is a dream come true. And so, So and she understands that I'm doing it for her, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, and I'm clear, like they ask you in these meetings, well, why, why now? Why are you doing Mm -hmm. this? It's like, because I want a different world for my daughter and I believe it can be different in five years. Mm -hmm. In five years from now, she'll be 16. That means when she wants to be sexual, when she wants a relationship, when she goes to college, when she decides to be a mother, she inherits a different world. Mm-hmm. So Ugh, makes me want to cry. She gets it. Mm-hmm. 
And it was a big book deal. <laughs> and it was a big number. Yeah. So and badass. it was, but it's years and years of work. I mean, you've done so much education and trainings and you, yeah. know, you live it. My whole life. Yeah. I mean, since I started yeah. yoga when I was 19 and I'm 44, so 25 years, everything is led to this point. And that's mm-hmm. what's so exciting about this new book is fourth trimester is a beautiful book and I am proud of it. And I think it, and it, I don't think it is, it is helping a lot of people and it's just selling better. It's not selling like usually books sell a lot for the first six six months if they're going to sell and then they just Mm -hmm. drop off and it's selling more than it did a year ago. So it's picking up speed, which is kind of what I thought would happen because that's how women are. We help Mm -hmm. each other and we pass along resources and it's become required reading reading Mm -hmm. for doula trainings. And it's um, Kaiser has it on their recommended reading list for client for That's patients so and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm like That's an cool. audio person's nightmare, like <laughs> adjusting my sound and hitting the table <laughs> yesterday. They put the mic, I did this, um, thing, this recording thing and they put the mic on my chest. And of course I was going like, and I care about me and I care about you and I care about me. And they're like, you're gonna have to stop hitting your heart. I'm like, okay. But, uh, yeah, I think that I read Mothering and Daughtering by Syl mm-hmm. and Eliza Reynolds. And one of the chapters was about how one of the most important things about being a mom was financial stability. Mm-hmm. And at the time it was a little crushing for me because I didn't feel financially stable. And I also was just like, why hasn't anyone kind of put it to me like this? Mm-hmm. And for people who are listening, like there's just times that it's possible and times it's not possible. Yeah. I made a real strong choice from zero to two years. I didn't know if I was going to have another child. I desperately wanted to be a mother. Mm. I chose not to work and to be basically not having any income and going into credit card debt so that I could mother full time because that's what I wanted because I didn't want to miss out. And I don't regret that. And I think I paid that off right around when I turned in the book, the first book. So it Uh took me six years and it wasn't like a ton of debt. But when I, when I reframed the debt, so like, well, this is actually like, this was groceries and this is, yeah. this is all the, the ways that I sustained us. Mm-hmm. It's totally worth it. The credit card debt for that thing. And having a baby takes a lot of resources, yeah. financial, energetic. And for sure. I mean, I feel like mother's work is being valued more than ever. And people are, more people are democratizing those roles, but like we have to value it for ourselves. We can't wait till other people value it. Like we have to know that being the energetic center of the home yeah. is invaluable. You can't put a value on it. No. And just claiming that, you know, I, I feel like I have to, I mean, my husband's very supportive. I mean, way more than many others. And, you know, even the other day I just had, it's like, until you're really living it, there's no way to fully understand. Like, the schedule, like you were talking about earlier, like I've got two kids now doing that. So when I'm at work with a client, I'm still worrying about Goldie's nap. How was her nap today? What time did I pick Jemima up? Did she remember her library book? Like all of those things <laughs> is so much energy every single day. Don't check out library you know? books. <laughs> this morning, I'm like, where's no your library policy, book? <laughs> no policy for library. You can read the library book in the library. Don't bring that shit home. I don't know where it is. <laughs> I know. I don't, I haven't, you know, it's like Wednesday night. Don't forget the library book, but it's just, 
It's just exactly what you said. It's just claiming that though and, and adding that and always having that to be in the conversation. You know, like last night, we were, my husband and I were having a conversation about, I still have a guilt right now because I'm trying to take that next step in my business. And there are hours that creative time where we're paying the nanny and I'm not making money, you know, but I'm working, I'm journaling, I'm creating, I'm, you know, trying to generate the next leap. And he got to do that for two decades with no kids or a family, you know, or a wife. So just carving out that within myself Mm -hmm. and then other people follow suit when you outline it because it is, it is all new. Yeah. For each person, it's different too. I mean, I have friends who were really independent feminists, Ellen Bader, she's been on my podcast. It's actually the most popular podcast I've had, mm-hmm. which is on feminism and motherhood, which I think is fascinating because there's I've had way more famous guests and it's like that is a topic that mm-hmm. we're just all wrestling with is yeah. how do we do it? And she has she's a therapist and over the period, she's a 10-year-old and a seven-year-old, I think 10 and eight maybe. And her husband is a sole breadwinner and she sees a few people a week mm-hmm. in her practice, maybe more now that, her kids are now both in school full time, but she really, I mean, it was like, she was not making much money at all, seeing Mm -hmm. a few people for a long period of time and wrestling with that in herself of like, is she still a feminist? And what does that Mm -hmm. mean? And what is that independence versus interdependence? I think that we, this has been really important for me because I have a history of codependence because I really did want the full picture And so it's been really important to me, even the kind of relationships that I choose now from this place where I don't need someone else to provide for me. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know how that would be, but it's, there's also nothing, like there's no reason that we all have to be crushing it in our businesses. And a lot of the things that I'm contemplating are just like, what's enough? And do I want to keep quote unquote building? Like I had a, I had a meeting with someone and they're like, so you want to grow, you want massive growth in the next 12 months or something. And I was like, no, I was like, I would never use that word. And that sounds terrible. And I was just like, I just don't want to lose ground. Mm -hmm. Like I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And they're like, oh, you want organic growth. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. Well, that's just already what it's been. Like everything Mm -hmm. that I've done so far that's why I have a, a relatively small list, but 20% of the, the 15% of the people on my list have taken Jaguar. Mm. That's like a huge conversion rate. So yeah. it means that like the people that are in my list are really people that are change makers, are super into everything we're talking about. Mm-hmm. They're into the conversation. They're into being in dialogue. Like, that's what I want. I don't want just, yeah. like, I don't need, I don't want massive growth. I don't, I have everything I need right now and I just want it to keep growing so that my message is still out there. And the courses have been great for me because I love teaching. Mm -hmm. They're all live. So I do have to be there to do them, which everyone's like, you need to make only evergreen and recorded classes and you need to give over your social media. But the thing is, I know how my business works. My Mm -hmm. business is fueled by the passion that I get through teaching and my Instagram posts and my Facebook posts are they come out of that mm-hmm. passion. So that's how I reconcile marketing. Cause I always thought marketing was really annoying and gross and whatever, but it's like, when I just think I'm teaching, then it doesn't feel weird to me. Right. And so I just teach more when I'm in a sales cycle 
And then I actually get to help and touch more people, even if it's not the right time for them to engage in the material in a deeper way. And I always give like, we have like 150 people and then 25 scholarships or something. So I give a lot of scholarships and other ways that you can participate. And I think that most people who, that's the thing. Most people who have a lot of money, they do give a lot in philanthropy Mm -hmm. and people go, oh, well, that's because they have to because of tax breaks and because of this. But it's like, could we just give people some benefit of the doubt that not everyone is like greedy motherfuckers that are even like the quote unquote rich, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. there's just so many preconceptions. Yeah. And as women, especially so much of our, so many women are trapped because of the financial piece. They're Mm -hmm. staying where they are because they are afraid that they can't do it on their Mm -hmm. own or they're doing it all on their own and they're afraid to give any of it up. Mm. And both of them are kind of sides of the coin. Yeah. So I'm just sort of figuring it out as I go. So good. So helpful. I'm ready to make my dream monthly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, find a number. I got my number. Okay. You can tell me later. Okay. Thank you so <laughs> much for being here. Thank you. I, I want to do another one because I feel like we just even like scratched the surface. Okay. There's so much to talk about, but I love you and thank you for being a friend and such a mentor and colleague. And I just look up to you and admire you and all that you're bringing into this world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.